So here it is, season four, episode two. It's an exciting episode with Hanko Kiesner. He is the executive chairman of the board at PackSize right here in Salt Lake City. You're going to get to hear about his journey, how he came to the United States from Germany, and what it is that PackSize is trying to accomplish by making sure that every single shipment around the globe is right-sized and ready for you to consume. But before we get to that, I just want to let you know this episode is being sponsored by Fortis Solutions Group. Listen, are you struggling with long lead times from your label, flexible packaging, shrink sleeve supplier? Maybe you've been buying from overseas and you've had the struggles and the problems with uh, delivery and stuff sitting there uh, at the port, whatever it might be, we are here for you. Fortis Solutions Group has got you. You can head on over to FortisSolutionsGroup.com, click contact us, and somebody is going to take care of you. We want you to stop having to struggle and fight and scratch and claw for press time. We are ready, we are expanding, and we have got you. All right, you know who else has got you? is my friends over at PackSize, and they are excited to be right-sizing your packaging and saving the planet. So without further ado, let's get to this episode with Honko. Get to interview somebody in my home state. Uh, well, it's the state where I live. I don't really... I've only lived in Utah for like three years, so I still kind of claim Colorado because that's where I'm from and I'm a big Nuggets fan, but I live here in Utah and I get to interview somebody in Utah, uh, just an incredible company, and I'm excited to meet uh, one of, I'm sure, many people who are behind the success of the company, but we've got Hanko Kiesner. Uh, is your official title CEO? Actually, I've now stepped into the executive chairman role. Executive and, uh, chairman the executive chairman role yeah mm -hmm. all right uh and how long when did you uh step into that role that was actually just two weeks ago oh, two gosh. weeks yep <laughs> so it's new yeah it is it is new and we have a fantastic ceo and he is ready to scale the heck out of the scalable portion of pack size and we are all looking forward to that incredibly much that's great. Yeah, when I was, uh, when I did, after I got out of business school, uh, one of the books that I read was, uh, it was a book called The E-Myth, and they, I don't know if you read it or not, but the whole thing is about building businesses that are scalable or repeatable or replicable, basically. So that's, that's exciting, uh, kind of a next phase. And we'll get into sort of how you've got pack size to where it's at. And then as of a few weeks ago, been able to uh, hand it over to a, to a new CEO. So that's, that is, uh, that's cool and exciting. Um, so let's start off with you. Um, so we meet at, we're, we're hanging out at uh, pack expo and we're, we're enjoying, I don't know, do you, do you drink? Like I love German beer. So we're, maybe we're enjoying a, a, a delicious German beer together. And I'm like, well, tell me, like, who, who, who are you? Like, where'd you grow up, and how did you get to Utah, and you know, what's what's that story like? I grew up in a small town, Herford, in northwestern Germany. It's a town that is located between Hanover and Düsseldorf. So that's that's what puts it on the map for most people. But it's a rather small town, and as a teenager, I had the privilege of being part of a small group of students at our high school 
there in Hereford to participate in a student exchange where we were trying to apply for, an, for a US high school to be exchanged with at that point in time. And we had applied for two or three consecutive years and were never matched with a, with a, with a city, with a, with a high school in, in the US. And that one particular year, we were mapped to the Box Elder High School in Brigham City, Utah. And so that was actually my first introduction into the United States. I had never been on an airplane. I had never been outside of Europe at that point in time. And this was our English class at high school, traveling on a 747 from Frankfurt to Chicago and then on to Salt Lake City. And then I was picked up by the host family at the Salt Lake City Airport. And the first thing she handed me in this big, gigantic wood panel station wagon was this gigantic orange, the biggest orange I'd ever seen in my whole life. So then we drove up to Brigham City and that was my introduction to the United States as a, as a high school student. And ever since I had developed a passion, a passion for wanting to contribute as a small little tooth wheel in the world's largest economy. So that was the beginning. That's crazy. So you, boy, I mean, it's because it's not like Brigham City is a, it's not a, even, even today, it's not like it's a big, you know, it's a big city. Um, and so, but you ended up coming back, right? If I, if I remember correctly, you, you did collegiate studies in Utah also, right? Yeah, the whole, the whole uh, English class, and it, it was just a brief introduction to the United States, but it was profound. Uh, fast food, we had, we had never seen fast food. We, we weren't driving any cars because here in the US you can start driving a car at age 16 already. And this whole high school experience, it was just phenomenal. So we went back to Germany and then we had the US German class students visit us in Germany and stayed with our families. And we all developed a really cool friend, friendship with our exchange students. And when it was my turn then to go to a university uh, after joining the military first, uh, we had still compulsory uh, we had a draft in Germany, I had to be in the military. And then after that, I was able to get accepted to the University of Utah, where I then completed my business study. And after that, uh, going back to Germany with a master's degree in business at that point. So here's my joke about the US system. Uh, the US invites foreigners to, to get the best education in the world, but then it sends them back to their home countries to compete. And so. <laughs> It's my, my, my perception. So I went back to Germany. I had, I had met uh, who, who would then become my wife, Laura, uh, who I met at the University of Utah in a French class. She joined me going back to Germany. And I went into my father's business who had pioneered, my father had pioneered the Z-fold corrugated, the special type of corrugated that today feeds through our automated packaging machines. And so I went into his business. Now, at that point, we had no machines. Uh, it was just the Z-Fold corrugated and our, our machine was basically a box cutter. So we would hand out a manual box knife to our customers and told them, cut your own box with that. And, uh, and I, I worked there for 10 consecutive years uh, with my father. I had, the, I had a great time. We, we traveled all over Europe. His business was the Europe's leading business in this small niche of corrugated Z-Fold. And so we traveled all of Europe and we, we, we maintained the market leadership until after 10 years, roughly, my wife also said, okay, you know what, it's always gray, rainy, overcast. And plus I still had the, 
passion to, to play a role in the world's largest economy. And so she said, I want to go back to Salt Lake City or, or anywhere in the US. And I said, okay, I'll give up my career, which was doing great. And we were, we were doing well. But then we decided to go to the US and start from scratch. And I tell you, that was one of the most exciting, but also one of the most scary things I'd ever done. Because we, be yeah, we began this planning process about two years prior to moving. And so we had it all scouted out, all planned out, and then you can never plan for everything anyway. And no. so ultimately when the day of moving came, we, uh, we decided we'll do this by ship, we'll do this the right way. So my vision always was that immigrants arrive by ship. I don't know, Adam, did your ancestors get to this country by ship or, or how did they get here? So that's a funny story. I was always told growing up that my ancestors were Polish and that they came over via, you know, you know, by ship. And so my grandfather would always make us pierogies and would teach us, uh, you know, random words and, and Polish. And then I did like the ancestry.com test and I was like, I've been lied to. I have like no, <laughs> maybe just like pierogies. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 there is a, there certainly is, uh, something very, uh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't really know what the word would be, but appropriate maybe because you're right. Like most ancestors came here via ship, you know, some, if, if we wanted to go back through the dark parts of American history, there were some who came here, obviously not on their own volition and, and then others who were here for the opportunity. So, um, Yeah. So you yeah. came, you actually got on a ship and went, set out to sea. I mean, how long does that, I don't even know. I've, I've never been, I've never been on a cruise. So how long does that take? Yeah. And that's, that's, by the way, that is not a cruise. That is a cross. <laughs> and so I, I need to, I need to be, we need to be ultra correct in that <laughs> because that's part of the experience also. So, so um, in my mind, uh, the right way of immigrating is by ship, very traditional, just like your ancestors. And so when we, when we planned this, we actually looked at what ships are still crossing the Atlantic. And we found the Queen Elizabeth II at the time. And so we went over to Southampton in the UK, boarded the ship with three little kids. So my wife, three little kids and, and myself. Uh, and, so, and we were on the ship for eight days. And I tell you, it was an amazing experience because when you leave something behind and you're starting something new and you're doing this on the other part of the planet, then there's a lot of distance in between those two locations and also to mentally get the distance between the two mm. in your stage of love life. This was a completely new life that we would be beginning to be on the North Atlantic. I tell you rough seas, but to be on the ship. And then at one point we actually crossed the spot where the Titanic actually sank um, uh, many years ago. And, and it was just an, a remarkable experience to experience this distance to be to mentally get ready for the new assignment, but also this nervous energy of not knowing how it's going to be, right? And so then, then the morning that we arrived in New York City after eight days, you first go underneath the Verrazano's Narrows Bridge, then you have the Statue of Liberty on the left, then you pass by Ellie's Island, and your ancestors probably went through Ellie's Island. We didn't have to. There was immigration right on the ship, and so we just walked off. And the first thing I did when we got off the ship in Manhattan was I took our boy who was still wearing lederhosen. Um, he was seven years old. So imagine a little boy, seven years old, wearing lederhosen. And I took him by the hand and we walked down 
to Wall Street. And uh, they had the big flag up, the big American flag up by Wall Street. And I pointed at it and I said, you know what? This is the world's largest economy. This is Wall Street, the world's largest economy. And we just arrived here and we will play a role. And it might be just a tiny little role that we will be playing in the biggest economy of the world. And, and so, so that was that was our arrival experience in Manhattan. That that is a story that I have not heard. Uh, I, I mean, like today. Uh, that that's great that you you went and did that. And um, and did you know when you came here that you were going to be taking this Z Fold technology that your father had developed? Was that part of the plan? Was to come here to the U.S. and and sort of grow and expand on on that technology, or was it truly like we don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to the United States? No, uh, we had this planned, but to the de to the degree to which it is planable, I I did not know how how this would actually work, how big the market is, how we even go about doing it. And so when I pointed at Wall Street at that moment, I actually honestly had no clue how to actually go about being part of this economy. However, I had this vision that I had developed over in Germany as we were planning for our, for our move, that it would be corrugated based and it would be Z-fold based and that we would be using machines that would be creating on-demand packaging. Mm -hmm. So all of that I sort of had mapped out in my mind, but I didn't know whether or not we even had a chance to succeed. So. So when we were right there, I honestly really didn't know how to go about it. We then went over to Penn Station, took the train to Salt Lake City. So I had another three days to reflect on how we would go about it. And then once we arrived in Salt Lake, uh, within a week, I went to, to see a lawyer and told him that I wanted to start a business. And the lawyer asked me, okay, you want to start a business? Good. Now, what type of entity do you want? Uh, we have like sports. We have C-Corps, and then he went through a few other options, and I said, hmm, I don't know. I don't know what entity I want. And then he said, well, the C-Corp is the beast that made America great. <laughs> and so you said, sign me up. I said, let's go with that. That sounds cool. <laughs> you didn't say, he didn't say C is for corrugated. It's a corrugated corporation, so that's... Well, that's, <laughs> I probably would have figured that one out. <laughs> But um, no, no, we went with the, with the, so that's how it worked. And so we had the entity and, and we got to work. And I think within two or three weeks, we were signed up at a trade show. So I was actually packing up a rental van to go to the largest woodworking trade show because woodworking would be our first customer base. And so I went to that trade show. We set up a little booth. I think it was 20 by 20 or something like that, or 10 by 10. I think it was a 10 by 10 booth or something like this, the smallest booth they had. And that's how we got going. And then it took us about eight months to get the first customer. And I knew that we would not be with an income for a while. And that's when we decided, before we actually moved here, we decided that we, uh, without an income, would move into my wife's parents' basement uh, in their home in Cottonwood Heights. So, okay. so Laura's parents, they lived in Cottonwood Heights. We moved into the basement with three little kids and then they gave us an upstairs 12 by 12 foot bedroom with purple carpet that we were that we could use to to start pack size. So we That's had the awesome. 
So we had the company registered, um, we had the brand name, and and then we had a purple carpeted 12 by 12 uh, bedroom out of which we would run uh, the company. Please, please tell me that you have replicated that room somewhere in pack size to bring people into. No? <laughs> no, we don't have a replicated, but we do have photographs from that time. And then photographs are actually looking quite embarrassing because uh, we called that the world headquarter of pack size at the time. Right. And it, was just, it was just a tiny little, tiny little room. But what was really amazing is, is how customers thought of us because they didn't see where we were sitting. There, there was no Zoom at the time where you can actually see where I'm sitting. Um, and so they actually thought, because the idea was so cool, most of the potential customers we were talking with actually thought that we were a pretty big company. And it wasn't uh, until like our first customer, the lady we, we were engaged with, uh, she heard kids screaming in the background when I was on the phone with her. And at that moment she knew, and she, she told me later, and she said, you know what, Hanko? I, at that point, I knew that you were just an ordinary person like you and me and everyone else. And up until that point, I thought that it was such a big company, but really it wasn't a company even at the time. And she had it figured out because of, because of the screaming kids in the background. Oh man, and now that's just commonplace, right? I mean, you, we, once, once we all started working remotely and working from home, uh, certainly there's been a lot more grace with, with screaming kids. So, and how long ago was this? Was this like uh, in, you know, the nineties, two thousands, when did this, when did the, the C Corp form and you were in the purple carpet room? It was all in August, beginning in August, 2002. So we will have 19 years anniversary here coming up. So we are, we are coming up close to 20 years in business now. It's, it's been just the most amazing ride. And does it still feel like um, it, it's, it's on, you know, if you have like a growth curve that you're still, you're still sort of, even though it's been 20 years, like you've come so far, but you're still like, wow, there's so much more. There, even though it's a small part of the greatest economy in the world, we, we can keep growing within this thing. And that, that's going to be a really exciting period for the next 20, 30, 50, 100 years, whatever it might be. Yeah, uh, Adam, I totally agree. This is, this is also what our vision is. This is another 20 years, another maybe 30 years of growth. And the exciting thing is actually that, um, that, that we are currently maybe at 2 or 3% adoption in the US and, and may way less than that worldwide that we have so much more growth ahead of us than, than anything that we have accomplished. So in that sense, it, it feels like we are constantly starting up. And the growth curve that you described, it's never really a straight line. Right. Uh, was the 2008 recession, 2008, 2009, right? There was a little flat spot. And then I would say the last, the last uh, or two, three years ago and two years ago when these trade wars happened here the, the trade wars with china and the us there was a lot of disruption that happened to us manufacturing and so there was a little bit of flattening going on but but then it always picks up again and so if you look at this in the big scheme of things it's like a 20 year amazing growth story that that is just unbelievable actually yeah so let, let's talk about the company because it, it's really i mean your son arriving in Lederhosen is an inc that's just an incredible story. And I love that you got on the train. If the train were 
less expensive. That would be my preferred mode of travel. I really do enjoy, I've taken the train. Uh, well, in Europe I have, uh, I've, I've been on train rides in India. That's an intense, uh, that's a pretty intense situation, but um, I just love traveling by train, just seeing the countryside. I think it's very, uh, it's, it's just so beautiful and, and very cathartic. So that's, that's an awesome story. Uh, but it is a packaging podcast and you have built uh, what is, is just this, this incredible company that's really solving one of the more critical problems within the packaging space, which is, and I hear this constantly, um, the need for late stage product differentiation. And so, you know, I've been in plenty of, plenty of manufacturing environments where it's like, and here's our raw materials. And then it's like half of their warehouse is dedicated to different size boxes. I mean, it's just, and you've seen it already, right? Like I'm preaching to the choir. So, you, you know, the, the fact that you can, you figured out a way to replace that using, uh, it's still your father's technology, right? The Z fold technology. So using this, this familial technology combined with, with this just incredible piece of equipment. Um, and then even when I was in there and, you know, it, it, they right size packed my shoes. And I tell people about that all the time. I'm like, no, I put shoes on a belt. And at the end of it, they were all boxed up and nobody touched it. Nobody had to go crack open a, a pallet and then get out a knife and cut off the bandings and then get the box and then flip it over and open it up and put a piece of tape on it, flip it back over and go, oh shoot, this is a wrong size box. And I got to take that. And it, like, none of that happened. It just, I set them down and I just went through and they were like, wait, to your point, you know, as your market adaptation is growing, they're like, oh, this is a thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. It's pretty cool. Um, so, so pack size, maybe just give me like, uh, you know, a minute or two, sort of like what, what you guys do um, and, and, you know, sort of what problems you're solving. And then I, I really want to dig into what I think is near and dear to both of our hearts. And we talk a lot about sustainability, but, um, how you guys are combating a lot of sustainability issues using your technology. So let's first start off with just kind of, you know, what similar to like, you know, who is, uh, is, is it Hanko or Hanko? You said Hanko when you were speaking of yourself. It's actually Hanko. So Hanko. Okay. <laughs> So, so in that way, actually, that's a good catch. A very you, misspoke, good... you misspoke about yourself. Uh, it's like it's like Kanye West calling himself Kanye. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, so so just like we asked, like who is Honko? Uh, like who is who is Pack Size at the core? You know what? For those people who don't know, uh, what what do you guys do? I just realized we haven't even really said what you do yet. Um, I will share with you exactly what we do. But before I do that, I want to share with you what every every listener can probably empathize with really well. And that is what you already mentioned is this is this experience of of receiving oversized packaging. And uh, and that is associated with me ordering something small or medium sized, but getting a gigantic box, this gigantic box or envelope, actually, I mean, when you when you take an envelope, it may not look very big, but when you compare it then to the size of the product, it's still an envelope that is like 90% too large. And especially in the context of boxes, you have then filling material, then you have to this whole miserable unpacking experience. And it is, it is so frustrating to many of us 
that this problem hasn't been solved yet in a in a big scale on, on a big scale right and so this experience this negative experience that i just described happens i think around 45 to 50 million times a day so when you when you add up how many parcels are shipped and delivered by ups amazon uh, usps all of the carriers you, you you add a number that exceeds let's say 50 million packages per day delivered yes, in the u.s and that's just in the U.S. That's just in the U.S. alone. Now, now, now you end up in a situation where you have 50 million or so bad experiences every single day. That is a tremendous opportunity, right? And so, what we, what we, when we started PackSize, we combined the Z-fold corrugated that that we had pioneered over in Europe, beginning in 1969. So we now have decades of experience in that and we bundled that with a converting technology that can that enables anyone to make their own box their own corrugated box at the right point in time perfectly sized to any kind of product that you might want to package in random order so all of this filling material all of this excessive packaging is now gone when customers switch to pack size with on-demand packaging and that is in the essence what we do. Now today, of course, we are now 20 years into this. We do this with sophisticated software, actually enterprise-grade software is part of it. Uh, the, one of the biggest fulfillment networks that is using pack size, as we speak right now, is making 35 custom-sized, perfectly-sized packages every second. 35 wow. every second. Now you need to have software that can run all of this and can can optimize all of these process flows. And I tell you, these are 27 buildings that we are, that this one single fulfillment network is deployed in between Anchorage, Florida, South, Southern California, New York and Boston and anywhere in between. All of this is orchestrated by PackSize software to run optimally. And since I finished that last sentence, we made a thousand boxes perfectly sized in just that one network alone. So now, now take the scope of all of this and, and now you can know that this is about software, this is about hardware, this is about corrugated, this is about people, this is about process flows. And all of this, I would say, is what really distinguishes pack size from any other packaging solution um, that doesn't deliver right size packaging. Yeah, yeah, I love, I mean, that, that what what a powerful you know uh, example of you just want to finish this sentence they've done 1000 boxes but then when you think about within the scope of the United States it's like well you know you're if you've got 50 million of these things happening every single day while while you are delivering this killer solution there's probably still whatever you know 40 million bad experiences. So you've made that dent, but it's like, what if there was, what if there was zero? What, what if everybody, what if there was zero bad experience? Of course, there's never going to be zero potentially, but you know, at least statistically close to zero, right? Because we, the minute you said that every single listener, I mean, a lot of people in the packaging industry listen to this. So we're like, yep, got it. But everybody knows it. I mean, the the, the most popular videos right now on YouTube are people opening things, right? Like if brands don't understand the power of the unboxing video, 
then just think about the fact that there's a nine-year-old who's making whatever, $65 million a year, just opening crap most of the time <laughs> and then talking about it. Uh, it's, it's wild to think about the level of influence that you're, that is, is now being thrown onto a brand and the negativity that comes from, you know, why, you know, I just bought this tiny little thing and it came in this giant box. Well, it's because somebody, that was just the first box they could grab and they just stuffed it full of a bunch of crap because they had to get to the next one and on to the, you know, they just had to keep going and going and going. So they're not thinking about your brand's experience, your customer's experience. They're thinking, how do I get to the next box? And so you, you've sort of removed that decision, right? That's, that's awesome. These same people now have the ability to set it down and, and then it just goes. And then at the end of it, they're stacking it on pallets or they're sending it to the truck or whatever it is they're doing. So that's great. Yeah, and, um, and this is about the experience of the customer. Let's now talk about the sustainability and the environmental yeah. impact. Because um, even though I have to say the biggest reason why we should be doing this probably is the customer experience. Because who does not want to deliver a great customer experience, right? So, so you invite people onto your website, you get them to buy things from, from your internet retail service, and then you put it into an oversized package, and then when the, when it's delivered, you have created a bad experience. That is that is not what what anyone really wants to do. But let's talk about the sustainability. These 45 or 50 million bad experiences that happen. Here is the negative sustainability impact that this also has with it or attached to it. If all of the boxes fit, and this is just a thought experiment, and I agree, we will ultimately get to 100% of all of the packages will ultimately fit. Because really what we are doing right now is sort of insanity, right? Because it costs more money and nobody likes it. And so why, why continue doing it? It's more expensive and nobody likes it. So, but let's talk about the specific advantages to the environment that right-size packaging delivers. If all of the boxes fit, uh, Adam, guess how many trees would not have to be cut down to make the paper that is necessary so that the boxes can be too large. And I give you a hint. It's a number between 50 million trees and 100 million trees every year. What do you think it is? Oh, gosh. 63.2. Uh, 63.2 million. That's actually not very, that's not bad. But it is 98 million trees a year are oh, currently man. cut down these trees are cut down every year to make 5.8 million tons of paper, which is the amount of paper that we need so that boxes can be 40% too large. And 40% is, is roughly the average by which boxes are too large. And that's actually a conservative estimate. Uh, the number could actually be a little bit higher. So 98 million trees could be saved. But then now you created these boxes that are too large, right? guess how many millions of truckloads are now necessary to ship 40% air? Hang on. I'm the interviewer here. Okay. I don't, I didn't need, I didn't sign up for a quiz. No. <laughs> okay. What was the question? How many million truckloads? Unnecessary only because the boxes are too large. So, so the, the thought experiment is this, the boxes are too large and now I need more trucks to ship the same amount yep. of and I'll give you a hint again. It's a number between 20 and 30 million truckloads a year. 29 million. 
Absolutely. It's 24. I mean, it's amazing, right? 24 million truckloads could be saved every year. And, and this is just the U.S. If all of the boxes fit. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, right? How much yeah. cost could be taken out of the system? How much additional labor could be taken out of the system? If only and, and at the same time, we end up with a better customer experience. Right. And, and when you think about even um, so I'm reading right now, um, uh, the, Bill Gates's new book on climate change, um, how to avoid a climate crisis. And the the interesting component to that is like there. So there's not only the amount of trees and trees are our are largest one of our largest stores of carbon. And so leaving trees up is a is a good thing. Uh, we should we should want to have trees up because they pull carbon out of the atmosphere. Um, so we're not only leaving up trees, we're using less fossil fuels um, in order to power the transportation. It, I, I would imagine also there's a third component to it, which is that right sized packaging. This is my guess is that right sized corrugated packaging would lead to less product returns um, because not only is the experience better, but I, I have seen myself where companies will be like, hey, we just got a whole bunch of returns because we didn't put the appropriate void fill in because we didn't have the right size box and you know, on and on and on. And so you know, I'm a big believer in sustainability on like, you gotta protect the product because if you, if you spend all this time, all this money making food or making you know, whatever, shampoo or whatever it is, you put all this energy into the manufacturer, you've released all this carbon in, and it has a purpose. The purpose is to be sold and enjoyed by your customer, to delight your customer. If that doesn't happen, now the product has to come back. It has to be either discarded or thrown away. Like something negative has to happen um, environmentally and sustainably. So does right size, pa I generally don't know this, but I'm guessing that it does provide a better level of security and transportation. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, that's that's uh, you, you're you're spot on with that with that um, intuition, Adam. Because nothing actually provides better protection than perfect fit, and then beyond perfect fit, you have also the packaging design itself. So so when we create the box randomly for the next order, we we take into consideration the fragility of the product that needs to be packaged. So either we can create additional corner protection or in, or in cabinetry, we call this the, the super pack. The super pack, when something ships UPS, we need more protection than when something ships on their own delivery vans. So we actually optimize the level of protection, not only to the product, but also to the right shipping distance and shipping mode. And certain shipping modes, they are rougher, and you need more protection. And then there are other shipping modes that uh, where you can actually save on the packaging material and you still don't have any damage. So, so it is that kind of optimization that our software actually provides to our customers. But you are spot on. Uh, perfect fit and, perf and product protection is actually one of the primary goals. Yeah, and it's a huge part of sustainability. And, but because it also impacts, to your point, like it's not only sustainable, but it, it protects the product, the, the profits of the company, right? I mean, when you get a product return, that's bad. When products break, that's bad. You lose customers, that's bad. Like, it's not, it's not all pure altruism. Um, sustainability issues can also solve business problems. And I would argue if they're not solving business problems, that, then they're not 
necessarily the most sustainable option. If it's, if it's a bit of greenwashing or whatever it is, and it's, you know, then, then you don't really have a sustainable packaging option. So um, I, I love this conversation because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge, number one, I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing at pack size. So uh, I'm glad that you came over here on the boat and got on the train with your later hosen. Did you have later hosen on too, by the way? I, I do have later hosen, but I didn't have them on at that moment. At that moment. Okay. <laughs> I'm just picturing like you and your son and matching later hosen, just like son behold. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, what is, so what, what do you think in this, we'll kind of wrap it up with this. So like, what's next? I mean, obviously this is new information you have, you've moved into the, uh, executive, executive chairman, which means you have to sit in the chair all day long and, and, uh, just stay out of the way. Is that what, is that what it is? Is that what they told you? Actually, it's not staying out of the way, but, but it is staying <laughs> just but, but, but actually, it's not, uh, it is staying out of the way when it comes to completely scaling. I mean, removing hurdles, removing barriers, mm -hmm. that is absolutely part of, uh, part of my job, part of any leader's job, actually, to really allow the talent in the company. And we are a people-driven company, I tell you. We, are, we have just the most amazing talent to make sure that everyone can develop and live out their talent to the to the fullest degree. That is one of the most important things. And for my next uh, sort of for, for my new role, it is exactly that also. And that is to facilitate scaling this incredible packaging process and this incredible packaging solution all the way up to where we have zero bad delivery experiences. These 45 or 50 million experiences that are negative they need to be positive. And that is what my role, that everyone at PackSize's role is that. And, and over time, as we grow, we all have to step into new roles and grow as people, mm -hmm. as leaders. And that is really what this is all about. But I tell you, what is, what is up here next uh, is to really scale the platform that we have built here over the 19 years and do this very rapidly because we don't have much time. This whole right. global warming topic, this whole sustainability, the degradation of, of ecosystems, the biosphere, these are all pressing topics for the next generation. And so we cannot wait. And, and I think we at PackSize have a moral obligation to actually grow fast now and enable these processes and experiences to be so much better than they have been in the past. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, do you still have the largest uh, available uh, electric car charging in the state of Utah. Wasn't that a, yeah, I think actually, that was something that you guys had. Yeah, I think uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, clean air is actually one of our passions. And my vision is that ultimately every, every team member here at PackSize comes to work with a, with a zero emission transportation. We have Utah's largest workplace recharging campus. We have 53 charging stations for our employees to use for free. Then we have 250,000 watts of solar generation on the roof. So while the employees and team members are here plugged in and getting a, I call this a free tank of gas or free tank of electrons, actually, they get a free load of electrons so that they can go home. That was all generated by the sun. And so when they drive home, they literally drive with fusion energy from the sun. And yep. it, is free. it is free for everyone, it is clean. And that is part of the future as well. So yeah, we, we not only do a great solution for our customers, 
we also try to conduct our own behavior in the most sustainable way. That's fantastic. Yeah, I uh, we we have uh, solar on our house, and I drive an electric car, and I. Uh, I was telling one of my friends who has like this big, bad diesel and he was just like, oh, you're a silly electric car. And I was like, yeah, but I, I, it's like the most liberating independent thing. Like you're dependent on big oil money coming in from the Middle East and you're like this proud American. I'm like, I just drive off the power of the sun and then I can go wherever. Like oil prices doesn't matter to me. I just keep on rolling. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, if you want to talk to your friend, then you could say, hey, what about your maintenance cost and what about your acceleration? I mean, does he does he have zero to 60 in three seconds? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's uh, I have I have a used I have a used uh, Tesla Model S and it's it is a it's I mean, it's seven years old now and it's still a ton of fun to, you know, cause you just walk out there and it's like your software has been updated like your phone. It's it's crazy. Um, I, I I'm a big big believer in, um, in renewable energy and, and clean, clean air energy. So, uh, well, Honko, this has been a, a great time. Uh, I, I will leave you with, uh, we're, we're at the end here. So, um, it's, it's packsize.com, right. For people who want to learn more information, um, we'll make sure that gets put in the show notes. Any, uh, any final words of encouragement for maybe somebody's listening to this, uh, who wasn't aware of pack size, but they're like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta learn more about this machine. Um, is there a place where they could watch videos, or how would they get in contact with the company? Is it just through the website? Let me know about that. I, I would, I would like to finish by saying, hey, the future is fun. The future is fun and really, really cool. Just like what you mentioned with your electric drives. Uh, regarding packaging, even though packaging might not be front and center for many of us when we think about our daily lives, but it does impact all of us. And I tell you, we will deliver the funnest, coolest delivery experience to all of you over time. So stay tuned and just pay attention to how many packages fit and more and more will fit every year. Adam, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you here today. Definitely. It's been great. And we have a saying here, so we're going to add uh, the future is fun and packaging is awesome. Uh, so that's, uh, we, we, uh, that's, I, I put like that hashtag on a lot of things that I post that just packaging is awesome. Cause it is, it can be fun. It can be exciting. It can be awesome. And you're certainly a big part of that ecosystem. So, uh, thanks for all you guys are doing over there at pack size and everybody, please go check them out. Um, it's, it's really incredible, uh, what they're building there. And if you're in Utah, uh, go by and check out the, the facility and, um, and see what, see what they've got, they've got going. So thanks so much, Hanko. I really appreciate it. Please make sure that you like, share, subscribe. Let's spread the good news and the joy that packaging can be in the world. You can find this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We appreciate the ratings and the comments and the sharing. It's only going to keep getting bigger because packaging is awesome. <laughs>